Well, good morning, Hawaii. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Ryan Kalesuji, joined by Yanji Denise. This is Spotlight Hawaii. Of course, we want to thank all of you for tuning in. Uh, and Yanji, we have uh, another great guest here today. That's right. It's a very exciting day. It's April 19th. That means across the country, anyone above the age of 16 in the United States is eligible to sign up to get a COVID-19 vaccination. To join us to talk about that and all the other news across the state is Governor David Ige, live at his office at the state capitol. Very exciting morning. Good morning, Governor. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Yanji and Ryan. It's really great to be uh, given this opportunity again. Yeah, it's a great day, you know, um, opening up vaccinations to anyone in the country over age 16, I think is just another important milestone. As you know, we went over a, a million doses last last week, uh, and we still see strong demand. I mean, it's falling off in some of the vaccination sites, but I just think that we have so many more locations where people can go to. I think that that's just, um, you know, people are getting used to where the easiest um facility to get to, uh, but we still see strong demand. And what are we seeing with uh, this as we roll out and the vaccine is now available to uh, this wide range of ca this broader category? Uh, has Have you seen an influx in the signups and what are you hearing from these vaccination stations and from the Department of Health on the overall signups uh, and, and scheduled appointments? Yeah, certainly uh, Ryan on Oahu, we still see strong demand and you know, uh, we uh, had dropped it to 15 uh, above last week. Uh, so we're, um, you know, we are excited about the fact that many in our communities want to get vaccinated. On the neighbor islands, they did see a drop off in some of the vaccination sites. But I do think that part of it is, uh, you know, virtually every pharmacy in the state is now be able to provide uh, vaccinations. And as the number of um, locations that you can get vaccine uh, vaccine at uh, goes down. It does um, create that kind of opportunity for people to shop around and find the, the easiest location for them. When we talk about vaccination, of course, the other side of that is getting to herd immunity. The, the projection and the hope is that we get there sometime in the summer. But there is a concern about this vaccine hesitancy. What's the state doing to make people feel more comfortable, especially with you know the recent um, news about Johnson & Johnson that might give people who are skeptical a little more reason to be skeptical, um, though we do need to say that it's about six people out of close to seven million. Um, so the risk there is incredibly low. But that said, what are you doing to address vaccine hesitancy? Yeah, a couple of things, uh, Yanji. And, uh, you know, I do think that from the very beginning, uh, we were focused on broad access uh, and really trying to incorporate um, many community partners all, all through the vaccination process. Uh, you know, there were over 100 uh, individuals involved with uh, planning out the vaccine uh, distribution. And we had identified and anticipated that there would be some that would be uh, hesitant. Uh, you know, so we've been uh, working with community groups. Uh, our community health centers um, have always been a priority for us um, from the very beginning. We do know that they reach uh, people who may not have access uh, to um, health care uh, in general. And that was uh, always an important part of our program. Uh, and then the Department of Health and Do Dr. Uh, Char always felt that uh, involving all the pharmacies would be important. And they tried to define roles. 
you know, there are some in our community who um, can't get to a vaccination site. So they've been making arrangements for someone going to the home uh, to vaccinate or, or other arrangements just to make sure that everyone had an opportunity. Uh, you may have seen, we, uh, we have started uh, advertising on uh, digital media as well as um, traditional media. Uh, and we are incorporating um, local residents and community leaders, uh, um, faith leaders uh, to help us uh, tell the me message uh, and uh, really answer questions. You know, we're not trying to convert someone who uh, doesn't want to get vaccinated uh, to be vaccinated, but we do want to make sure that everyone has their questions answered, uh, especially because we know uh, that the vaccines are safe and they really do make a huge difference in terms of the spread of the virus. Uh, and I'm confident that as we answer people's questions and we uh, can respond to their concerns, they'll make a decision that it's in their best interest to get vaccinated. You know, there has been a lot of talk of the vaccine verification uh, as a point to bypass some of the travel restrictions that are in place with uh, the current under the current safe travels program that is required for people to get a testing or to quarantine uh, this talk of this vaccine verification process was brought up in our conversation with the lieutenant governor last week who said that he was trying to push for potentially may 1st as an inter-island uh dead timeline when people could use their vaccine verification as a way to bypass the safe travels program could you provide an update on where the state is right now with the overall program and what it's looking like right, right now yeah, certainly, Ryan. We um, had a, a couple of very good meetings with the mayors last week, and we are that close to making an announcement. We'll probably be uh, having a public announcement tomorrow. Uh, you know, there's a lot of details about how would we um, verify. Uh, and as you know, we are looking at, um, you know, I think for the last week, we've averaged 20,000 arrivals uh, per day. Uh, in the state of Hawaii, and you can imagine trying to um, set up the people to screen at the airports and uh, as people are moving within the state and uh, Trans-Pacific into the state uh, is a huge uh, logistics challenge. And so we want to make sure that we have the systems in place. I think um, the last time we talked, uh, we, we talked about Common Pass and Clear and uh, the digital platforms, you know, our um, contractor on the Safe Travels program uh, is incorporating vaccinations uh, into the program. We're really trying to automate as much as we can. So we would like to um, verify with the state uh, vaccination uh, database um, that, um, you know, Ryan Kalesuji actually got the vaccine uh, on the day that he did. Uh, and if we can do it uh, electronically, that would really speed a lot of things. So, you know, we uh, we realized that it would be uh, a great opportunity for the local economy, especially for uh, inter-county. And we do intend um, to implement something for inter-county first. Uh, and then that gives us more time. You know, it gets a lot more complicated trying to verify vaccinations done in other states. Uh, and that's um, that's a bigger challenge, but we're gonna start with people vaccinated in the state of Hawaii first. 
I know you said you're that close, so why not just go ahead and and, and tell us the rest? <laughs> um, you know, I, there are just people who are so eager to find this out, and it does make sense that this would be for people locally. So how would you then, let's say that you did this um, and you're able to verify that, you know, you used Ryan as an example, got a vaccine because the state has its own database. Would there be then a separate system for, for visitors from the mainland who then want to travel inner island? Do they still have to get the test? Uh, well, we are uh, working with, um, as I said, Clear and Common Class, who has, um, you know, their health platforms. And so they do have access to a lot of uh, data and testing data uh, across the country. They do believe that those same networks would get them access uh, to the vaccination records in many states. You know, one of the challenges is that not every state uh, implemented the vaccine uh, record in the same way. Uh, and so there may be some that may be more difficult uh, to verify. But, you know, we're hopeful that um, if we can start with the state of Hawaii and, and those vaccinated in the state, uh, and then that gives us additional time to really work to get tied into the national um, um, networks that a lot of these companies have established, you know, that will uh, be able to roll it out for Trans-Pacific um, soon. You know, this topic of transportation and, and bringing in tourists and, and verifying in that whole process, when you look as a whole, there, there seems to be a growing tension between visitors and local residents, with many local residents now, um, you know, having protests. We saw protests on Maui uh, a few weeks back with people taking back the beach, so they say, uh, in front of these resorts on Maui. Uh, how do you balance the need for tourism and some of the concerns from local residents who say tourists aren't wearing masks or not following guidelines and, and creating that sort of chasm between these two groups of people, both important, of course, to the overall state, but how do you manage that when, when we need tourism, but at the same time want to respect what many locals are asking for? Yeah, I think, Brian, you know, and that's where I really think the Hawaii Tourism Authority is very key. Uh, and, you know, the new CEO, John DeFries, uh, actually uh, has a whole program called Malama Hawaii. And just recognizing that, you know, one of the lessons in the pandemic is that, um, you know, we miss uh, having access to beaches and trails uh, and, and many other facilities that um, also attract a lot of visitors. Uh, so it is about managing the numbers that we get here. You know, we like to point to the North Shore of Kauai and Hyena State Park, where, uh, you know, the flooding from 2018 uh, required us to do a lot of um, repairs in that area. And as part of that, we implemented a new master plan. We're limiting parking. We've established a cap on the number of visitors who can uh, attend the park. And I think most importantly, you know, we've enhanced the experience. We're working with um, nonprofits and cultural groups uh, to talk about the lois and, and how they were um, operated and harvested in the past. Uh, and it really, I think, is a glimpse of, of the balance in uh, visitors uh, and enhancing the experience and not having to just go for 10 million and 12 million and 15 million. It's really about getting the best eight or so million uh, visitors who are willing uh, to listen to our mandates, uh, to respect our culture and our environment in a way that allows us to get uh, a win-win situation. 
I want to bring in this question from Dave Hall. Um, Ryan, since I'm not logged in, you'll have to pull it up. It's at 1038. I should ask, how is it fair that weddings can have 100 people to attend, but for other special events like a first year's birthday party are not allowed? We're coming up on graduation season. And, um, you know, do you think there should be modifications? I know that this is an issue that's handled by each county, but let's say for Oahu, obviously 100 person weddings are allowed, but having a baby luau right now is not. So how do, you know, do you think there should be changes made to the tier system? Well, I think, uh, Yanji, we're just looking at and just talking with Dr. Char and the public health officials, uh, Dr. Sarah Kemble, who really look at these programs. It's about trying to establish someone who's responsible for how the event is conducted uh, and really identifying those actions that have to be implemented that can spread, uh, mitigate the spread of the disease. Uh, you know, in the case of weddings, you know, it's weddings who are conducted by uh, wedding planners and they do understand what the parameters are and what the requirements uh, would be, uh, what restrictions have to be in place uh, in order to do it in a safe way. Um, you know, so looking at opportunities and ways for us to do that, um, you know, we're open. We obviously want um, people to get back to work in a safe way. Uh, but we also know that it has been uh, these kinds of uh, celebrations that really have uh, spread the virus. And, and you know, I just would um, like to encourage people to uh, stay patient. Uh, I do know that uh, graduations are coming, but remember every single week that you can defer or um, delay that celebration uh, means uh, 70 to 90,000 more people are getting vaccinated. Uh, and that really does reduce the risk to the entire community. I want to address schools and where we're at with just looking forward into potentially next fall uh, when schools are resume session once again, uh, calling for in-person learning once again for students to be able to be in the classroom. What do you think that looks like overall? Uh, what does a school year maybe going into next year look like? Does, is it going to require all teachers being vaccinated? Uh, will students have that opportunity to be vaccinated? And uh, what about those types of gatherings with sporting events that happen there, school assemblies? Uh, if you can just maybe paint a picture of what you think school, the school year will look like moving forward. You know, uh, Ryan, I um, am encouraged. Uh, as you know, um, there are a couple of uh, trials right now focused on vaccines for uh, younger uh, people. You know, they um, clearly we're starting at 16 and above. Uh, Pfizer has been approved uh, for those 16 uh, to 18. Um, there are a couple of um, vaccines going to trials right now that they expect to be um, completed before the end of summer. And so we anticipate that children 12 to 16 uh, should have an approved vaccine. Uh, and, um, and we do know that uh, and anticipate before the end of the year that uh, vaccines for ch children age five to 12 uh, will probably be approved. Um, so, you know, Ryan, going into um, the, the next school year, uh, most of the elementary schools will be back to um, in-person learning uh, by the end of this school year. Uh, you know, we've uh, worked through the mitigation procedures. Um, you know, we've talked about the things that schools need to do to be able to keep um, students and faculty and staff um, safe. Uh, you know, we, we did 
ahead of the rest of the country, make it a priority for school uh, personnel to get vaccinated. And, you know, we, um, the percentage of um, uh, school-based personnel that chose to get vaccinated is pretty high here in the state. So, you know, we do anticipate that next school year will be more normal um, than it was in the past. Yeah, we won't have vaccinations for all students uh, before the end of the year, but uh, many um, of uh, those who work at a school site will have been afforded the opportunity to get vaccinated. And we do believe that we'll get to herd immunity here in Hawaii, uh, and so that the, the case counts will um, stabilize or drop down uh, significantly. I want to go back to the issue of tourism. You know, there are pretty big, massive uh, budget cut proposals for the Hawaii Tourism Authority. What are your thoughts on whether or not and to what degree this agency should be funded? Um, there was a column this weekend uh, by Lee Cataluna that I read that was basically saying that the HTA is not needed because there's so many tourists coming here already and there's all this pent up demand. And so why do we even have this agency? Just wanted to get your thoughts on the funding proposals, how it should be funded and 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 what, what, what we need this agency for. Yeah, uh, you know, Yanji, we talked about it a little bit, right? We wanna manage the visitors uh, coming to our islands better. And that's why I believe it's now more important than ever that we fully fund the, our requests uh, to the legislature for HTA. I, I agree with Lee to some extent. Yeah, we shouldn't be spending all the money on marketing. What we should be spending, um, um, tourism dollars are on on those kinds of opportunities. Like I said, high high end state parks. We ought to be investing more in state parks to um, you know provide better um, um, infrastructure so that we can manage the people better. Uh, we need to look at caps on the number of visitors and, and find better ways to share facilities. Uh, I know that uh, John DeFries at HTA has talked about the notion of um, you know, having um, some parks and some facilities uh, open to residents only on weekends uh, and visitors uh, only during the day, uh, weekdays. You know, I think those kinds of uh, proposals and discussions have to happen. You know, we need to find a better way uh, to share Hawaii with, um, with uh, visitors uh, and the HTA funds and the, the, the tourist tax is a great opportunity for us to make those kinds of investments, have those discussions and really find a better way uh, to have the number one industry in our state. And clearly it creates the most job opportunities here. Uh, be able, you know, if the visitor industry doesn't get back to full strength, uh, then our economy will suffer for a long, long, long time. You know, we're actually going to be talking to John DeFries and Mike McCartney on Wednesday about this subject and, and we'll get more in depth on that. <laughs> but I also want to bring in a question, question from Paul, who sort of speaks to something that they'll be speaking about. But can you speak about what your administration is doing regarding the state's efforts towards economic diversification away from tourism? As we know that this was something that many lawmakers were talking about during this time of COVID, about finding ways to do this. And we know that it's not just a switch that's going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. What are some of the things and examples that you can provide that maybe look for ways to move the state less uh, on a less reliant uh, regard on tourism? Yeah, so I do think a couple of things that I'm excited about, Ryan. You know, what the pandemic did teach us 
is that it is a global economy now and that um, everybody is uh, interacting with uh, more people. I think what it also demonstrates is that, you know, we need to be more self-reliant and the more self-reliant we can be, uh, the better off we are. So we, uh, we need to accelerate our transformation to clean renewable energy. You know, we saw uh, what happens with our environment uh, when people are not driving their cars every day and, and we're getting fewer uh, visitors here. Uh, so we have to accelerate our commitment uh, to uh, clean renewable energy and that will create jobs here in our economy. You know, the other thing, Ryan, that uh, that you've known for a long time and you and Yanji are pioneers, right? It's about digital. It's about digital media. You know, there are so many more opportunities. You know, I've been a, a, a great fan of film and digital media for all of my legislative career. Uh, you know, those uh, opportunities can exist uh, anywhere. You know, people can live anywhere and do a lot of things uh, and virtually every company has learned how to do that. So how do we organize our communities? How do we provide training and uh, job opportunities here? Uh, really, that um, if you have the skills uh, and the right um, knowledge, uh, you can work for virtually any company anywhere. And every company everywhere has allowed that to happen. Uh, so, you know, I think it's about uh, looking at those opportunities, thinking how we can get our university and the public schools uh, to be able to teach the skills that are in demand, and then really helping uh, transition our local companies. You know, we, we want to accelerate uh, growing more of the food that we eat. We want to be able to uh, embrace the application of technology to virtually every uh, business uh, here in the state because everyone has been touched by the digital economy. You know, one of the mechanisms to limit tourism, of course, would be to raise taxes. Ingrid Peterson at 1049 asking, what do you think about raising taxes substantially on tourists in order to lower the number of tourists coming in while increasing the amount each tourist is spending here? That was one of the things that's been discussed for a long time in Hawaii that we don't necessarily, as you said, want to increase arrivals, but increase uh, the, the dollars that they're actually spending here. What do you think about raising taxes substantially on tourists that would kind of price out um, certain tourists from coming here? Well, I think the challenge um, is, Yanji, and we've kind of seen it. I've, I've, I really do think that illegal vacation rentals is a challenge in our community because it really has expanded. You know, when we're managing the number of hotels, um, indirectly, we manage the number of visitors who can come uh, to the islands when virtually any home can be a hotel room, that really means that there's an unlimited uh, number of tourists who can be here. So uh, I do think that we need to uh, really clamp down on illegal vacation rentals. Uh, you know, and Ingrid, I, I do think that uh, to some extent, uh, taxes can discourage, but I think that there's just a better way for us to be proactive. You, you know, as you said, uh, everybody wants to come to Hawaii. Uh, we want to be selective about who we um, go after and market and, and try and bring to the islands because we do want people who are respectful of, of the norms here. We want people who uh, are respectful of our native Hawaiian culture. Uh, and then finally, we do want um, people who understand that, um, you know, we're inviting them to be here and we expect them uh, to uh, 
um, not destroy our environment or uh, to be respectful in our communities uh, in exchange for inviting them to be here. One of these, uh, one of the questions that we've received through through this process of COVID is questions about driver's license and renewals. And we know that that process has been included in your proclamations that you have these emergency proclamations that you have issued saying that people whose license have been expired uh, can be extended, essentially allowing them to use an expired license. But we are getting reports that people are saying they are having a hard time purchasing items, making flights because people are saying their licenses are expired. Can you provide a little more clarity on that extension and what people are allowed to do with these expired licenses? Yeah, Ryan, you know, we um, definitely, this is a, a problem all across the country as um, COVID has uh, limited face-to-face uh, -face interactions. Um, you know, li driver's license and IDs have expired all across the country because people couldn't uh, get them renewed. Uh, so the proclamation does extend uh, the expiration date. Uh, and so I know that many of us still worried. I, I do know I had personal friends who called frantically uh, last year because their uh, license was expiring and, and they couldn't get a reservation. So I just wanna let people know that they can continue to use their uh, driver's license uh, beyond the expiration date. Uh, they should uh, continue to try and schedule to get it renewed. Um, I do know that uh, there are more and more opportunities uh, here. I know on City and County of Honolulu have, have created uh, self-servicing kiosks to be able to re uh, renew some of these, especially when uh, there's no change to addresses or anything uh, on the driver's license. Um, and so, um, you know, people need to continue to work to get their uh, license expired, um, their expired licenses renewed, but they they should be valid, uh, even though they're beyond the expiration date. Um, someone private messaged me, they didn't want to write on the message board, but they had a question about people who are undocumented in our community and uh, still want to get the vaccine. Uh, you know, if you're undocumented, can you still get the vaccine like everyone else? Yes, absolutely, Yanji. You know, one of the things, and, and that's really um, complicated the vaccine verification process. You know, we've uh, stressed with all of the, uh, all of our partners who are administering vaccines that, you know, filling in the paperwork is secondary. If someone wants a vaccine, then we should provide it to them. Uh, and so uh, undocumented uh, individuals can uh, go to the vaccination centers and uh, and request to get vaccinated. I want to bring up the emergency proclamation order once more, uh, because we know that there's actually a bill moving through the legislature that would in some ways limit a governor's role uh, and, and ability to issue these proclamations, these emergency proclamations and the process in which it is done. I wanted to get your take on, on what you feel that would do to anyone in this, the governor's role, uh, even because this would exist beyond your term here. Uh, but what are your thoughts on limiting the emergency proclamation orders and the power of the governor to make some of these decisions? You know, Ryan, it's unfortunate that this pandemic has really uh, caused this question to be raised all across the country. You know, I do have weekly calls with governors uh, and virtually every single legislature has legislation to uh, restrict the governor's authority. Uh, during uh, emergency situations. And I really think it's um, 
it's it's not helpful. Uh, you know, uh, all of us in ex executive positions here are are trying to make the best decision we can uh, on behalf of the people, and it's um, impossible to predict what the emergency situation uh, will be and what authority I will need to have. You know, here in the pandemic, if you if you were to uh, look at just what we uh, had to deal with here in Hawaii. You know, ordering the 14-day mandatory quarantine for all incoming, uh, if I had to get legislative approval, uh, would have taken weeks, if not months, um, in order to implement. And we do know that it uh, was a significant part of our uh, emergency response. Uh, you know, if you think back to 2018 and um, the eruption on Hawaii Island, uh, you know, the lava flow was headed toward um, the geothermal plant. Uh, and if I didn't have the authority to take whatever action I needed to, to be able to secure the geothermal facility, we might have had a huge disaster um, impacting and killing uh, hundreds, if not thousands. You know, I, I mean, I think you can look at, uh, I, I haven't found um, a real, uh, instance of a governor um, anywhere in the country really uh, acting out of scope uh, that would really mean that we should change the laws and place restrictions on governors. You know, I do think that uh, we understand the authority that we have. We take it seriously um, and we are always acting on behalf of the public. And, uh, you know, and it's unpredictable to know what an emergency will require. Uh, I know that we are out of time, but uh, Jerry Metz, uh, Maltezo says he's late, inter island travel quarantine free. So we know you have an announcement today, but we'll give you one more opportunity to preview what we can expect tomorrow. <laughs> no, I just really uh, wanted to thank you. We are working through vaccines and what that will mean, uh, especially for those residents who are vaccinated here in the islands. and. Uh, you know, we want to make it easier for uh, people to travel uh, inter-island, and we'll be uh, making an important announcement tomorrow uh, on how to do that and what that timeline would be. All right. Well, we're looking forward to that, uh, as well as uh, all the other updates that will come with that, I'm sure, as well. So, uh, Governor David Iga, thank you so much for spending uh, your morning with us and starting the week by answering some of our viewer questions. Aloha. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. And a reminder to everyone that today is the day that everyone across the country uh, can get a vaccine or can schedule a vaccine, anyone 16 and older. Um, so, you know, go to the Department of Health's website if you need to figure out how to navigate that. And as the governor said, you know, whether you're documented or undocumented, you are eligible to get that vaccine. So, the you know, the more people who do that, obviously, the closer we get to having herd immunity and all the things that people have been writing that they want to do, having graduation parties and going on the sidelines for sports and what have you. Um, and Ryan, interesting to know that tomorrow, obviously, we're getting a very important announcement. Yeah. And, you know, we're just going to have to wait to hear what that's going to look like. But governor's saying that they are very close. There's just a few other details that they have to sort through to in, in order to get through uh, the process in which that vaccine verification would allow those people who want to travel to bypass the safe travels program through the intercounty uh, at least travel uh, him also saying though that he is pleased with the way 
that the rollout of the vaccine is going and continues to move forward and that there is a high demand, especially here on the island of Oahu, uh, and that he does feel that we will get to a point where herd immunity is something that is possible here uh, in the state of Hawaii. And uh, also laying out what school looks like uh, in the next school year, saying that they are continuing to follow the reports coming out about possible vaccines made available for school children and school age children to some degree and, and working to make sure that all those guidelines are following uh, followed but school year is looking a lot more normal going into the next calendar school year yeah and he also addressed the question that you asked uh talking about visitors and the tension that we are seeing between local residents and visitors who may not be comfortable uh with the influx of people especially those who may not be wearing a mask we are going to be talking to about that at length tomorrow with john defreeze from the hawaii tourism authority and mike mccartney from dbed uh we'll be talking about you know what tourism looks like post pandemic and how they are trying to manage these crowds of, of course one thing that hawaii is uh so special for is our aloha spirit and that's why people will come here and they'll pay a higher room rate and they want to continue to be repeat visitors. Uh, but if that tension exists, then that dissipates and, you know, that that will have a very broad impact on tourism. So we're going to be talking about that with Mike McCartney and John DeFries on Wednesday. That's right. Looking forward to that conversation. And we want to thank the governor and thank all of you for tuning in this morning and for submitting your questions. We'll see you right back here on Wednesday at 1030 for another edition of Spotlight Hawaii. Aloha.